In Deuteronomy chapter 4, the Bible says in verse number 1, Now therefore hearken, O Israel, unto the statutes and unto the judgments which I teach you, for to do them that ye may live, and go in and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers giveth you. Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did because of Baal Peor, for all the men that followed Baal Peor, the Lord thy God hath destroyed them from among you. But ye that did cleave unto the Lord your God are alive, every one of you this day. Behold, I have taught you statutes and judgments, even as the Lord my God commanded me that Ye should do so in the land whither ye go to possess it. Keep therefore and do them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the nations, which shall hear all these statutes and say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them? What a definition of what makes a nation great. What nation is there so great who hath God so nigh unto them? As the Lord our God is in all things that we call upon him for. And what nation is there so great that hath statutes and judgments so righteous as all this law? which I set before you this day, only take heed to thyself and keep thy soul diligently, lest thou forget the things which thine eyes have seen and lest they depart from thy heart all the days of thy life. But teach them thy sons and thy sons' sons. And he continues to tell them what they need to pass on to the next generation, but I want you to look at verse 20 with me, please. But the Lord had taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people of inheritance, as ye are this day. I want to preach on that phrase, the iron furnace. It's found a couple of other times in the Bible concerning the children of Israel. I want to talk about furnaces tonight. The iron furnace, the Lord had taken you out of the iron furnace. He didn't have to say it that way. He could have said the Lord had taken you out of Egypt. He could have said the Lord had taken you out of bondage. But He said the Lord had brought you forth out of the iron furnace. If you'll turn over to the book of Isaiah chapter 48, that furnace is called by another name. Isaiah chapter 48. The Bible says in verse number 10, Isaiah 48, 10, Behold, I have refined thee, but not with silver. I have chosen thee in the furnace of affliction. The furnace of affliction. That iron furnace that held 
Israel in Egypt and how they were afflicted. You know, affliction is a furnace of itself. If you think about what affliction means, you study the word, it means a state of pain. Constant pain. It's a state of distress. Affliction is a state of grief or great calamity, maybe a persecution. There are many people that are afflicted and sometimes in their affliction is, it's as if they were in a iron furnace with the fire turned up hot and the pain and the grief and the calamity and the distress having no end, an iron furnace like a jail of affliction that they can't get out of. There's people all around the world that way. Those people on the Navajo Nation, they have afflictions that we, many of us, know nothing about. I do want to say this, though, if you'll turn over to Psalm 107, a lot of afflictions, many afflictions are well-deserved. Some people are afflicted because of their own iniquity, their own sin. And it's easy to blame God for all of the afflictions of life, but we can't honestly do that. Look what the Bible says in Psalm 107, verse 17. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. When you live a life of sin, when you live in a, a life in departure from the ways and the words and the will of God, affliction will follow your life. It's a part of the way of the transgressor being hard. That was not the case with the children of Israel. They're in a fur, an iron furnace of affliction, not because of their sin. I just want to say that sometimes you preach a message like this and somebody has some type of affliction in their life and they think it's, you know, a mark of spirituality when it could be a mark of your own sinfulness. Because many afflictions do come because of our sin. You don't have to turn, but Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 30 verse 15, God says, why criest thou for thine affliction? Thy sorrow is incurable for the multitude of thine iniquities. Because thy sins were increased, I have done these things unto you. God Almighty will afflict people and show them that the wages of sin is death. There is a consequence to sin. There is an affliction associated with iniquity. And I, my heart is so burdened about this generation when the bill comes due for their sin and the afflictions will abound in their lives and they have nothing to do but to look at their own iniquities for why they're there. The Bible said in Lamentation 1.5, The Lord hath afflicted her for the multitude of her transgressions. Same book, Lamentations 3.33. Now, 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 people would say, well, well, what a mean God. No, listen to this verse. The Bible says this, But though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitude of his mercies. Listen, for he doth not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. It's not that God is up there wanting to cause people a problem. Breaks his heart to do that. 
But yet man must know that there is a wage for sin and therefore affliction comes when we do wrong. Maybe we need to look at the fact that many of our afflictions are deserved. But Psalm 119, some afflictions can be a blessing. I don't like pain. I've said that before. When you use the words like distress, grief, calamity, persecution, pain, I don't want to sign up for that. But according to the Bible, affliction can be actually a blessing in your life. Look look at we'll just read it out of the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 67. And oh, what a better attitude I would have if I'm afflicted if I would look at these verses. Psalm 119, verse 67. The Bible says, Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept thy word. I would say affliction is a good thing if it keeps you from going astray. Lord, if you have to do something to me to keep me in the right way, then that's, that's a good thing. That's a blessing in my life. Verse 71. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. What a phrase. I can't see anybody in American modern day Christianity that would, would quote that verse and believe it. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. Look at the rest of the verse. Why could he say that? It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I might learn thy statutes. There's some things that I've learned about the Bible. He's saying that I would not have learned if I had not been afflicted. You know, if everything's always easy for you, you probably won't learn very much in the Christian life. This affliction can be a blessing. Verse number 75. He continues on it. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. Lord, you're the one that afflicted me because you're a faithful God, and that's what I needed. (laughs) I needed some pain in my life. Mm. I don't think Joel Osteen preached that verse. Look at verse 92, or any of the other, or... Whatever the woman is that preaches all the time. What's her name? Myers? She ain't going to preach that either. God deliver us from women preachers. I said God deliver us from women preachers. Maybe I need to say it again and put it on the internet. God deliver us from women preachers. Psalm 119. The Bible says in... Verse number 92, unless thy law had been my delights, I should then have perished in my my affliction. You say, why do afflictions overcome so many people? It's because people don't delight in the law of the Lord. You know, if you love the Bible, it'll help you overcome your afflictions. If you don't delight in the things of the Lord, in the words of the Lord, you will not survive your afflictions. You know, Jesus spoke of that. 
He spoke of that when he talked about that seed of the good word of God being sown. And he talked about things that happen in your life, uh, cares of this life and other things like that. And this is exactly what the Lord Jesus said. Listen to it. He said in Mark chapter 4 verse 17, he said, They have no root in themselves and so endure for a time afterward when affliction or persecution ariseth. For the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And the book still says, Great peace have they which love thy law. That's also in this 119th chapter of the book of Psalms. And nothing shall offend them. What I'm trying to tell you, you are not going to get by all your griefs and all your afflictions and all your distresses and all your pains and all your persecutions if you don't fall in love with the words of God. If you don't embrace the words of God, that affliction is going to overcome you instead of you being overcomer, the overcomer in the affliction. We have people, look at, look at uh, Ezekiel, uh, Exodus chapter 1. We have people that think affliction is always a bad thing. It can, be a, it can be a building block in your life. As you turn to Exodus chapter 1 where we read about this iron furnace. I'm reminded of what James chapter 5 says. It says it to the church. How anybody could take the book of James and say it's not for the church must have not read the word church in the chapter. People are crazy today. He said in James chapter 5, is any afflicted? Anybody in the church afflicted? And you know what he tells you to do? He said, is any afflicted? He doesn't say, get on the internet and tell everybody about it. Now that's, that, that's what we want to do. Because we want sympathy in our affliction. Or we want to look like the victim. He said, is there anybody afflicted? He didn't say go tell your neighbor. He didn't say put it on Facebook. Is any afflicted? He didn't even say get counseling. God Almighty. You know, it can't, you know, this is where I get in trouble with people. Because I just want to believe what he said in the book about things. And people say it's too simplistic. But guys, if this don't work, ain't nothing going to work. If you have an affliction, if you are in grief, alright? Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's a heartache. Maybe it's some other pain in your life. Maybe it's a calamity in your life. Maybe it's something nobody else understands. But the book says to the people in the church, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. You say that to a modern person that's afflicted, they'll roll their eyes. They'll say that you don't care about their affliction. But God said, if I'm afflicted, I need to pray. I'm convinced. We are the most prayerless generation that's ever lived. I said we. I didn't say you. I said we. And that's why we have such a hard time with our afflictions. We're not very good prayers. Now, here's what I say about afflictions. It, it can be a blessing. He talks about Israel being in the iron furnace in Egypt. And this is what he says about that in Exodus chapter 1. Would you look at this with me? 
Exodus chapter 1, the Bible says in verse number 11, Therefore they did set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. And they built for Pharaoh treasure cities, Python and Ramses. Watch verse 12. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. Do you see that? And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. (laughs) They're making their lives hard and bitter with hard bondage. They're slaves to Pharaoh. But the more they afflict them, the more God blesses them, and the more God multiplies them, and the more God causes them to grow. And that's what affliction can do in our lives. If we'll let it, it can cause us to grow. And it's the Egyptians that are grieved. (laughs) Watching the people of God prosper under affliction. In the iron furnace. Turn up the heat. And the people of God flourish. You know when you think about that word iron in the Bible. The strength of it. The surety of it. The enclosure of it. The heat that it would also continually produce. Iron's used about another nation, not just Egypt. You know who it's used about? He said over there in the book of Daniel, when he begins to describe the emperor, the, the empire of Rome, he says that Rome is a kingdom of iron. It, Daniel said they had great iron teeth. Do you know God not only let the children of Israel be in an iron furnace in Egypt, But he let his own people, he let the church of the Lord Jesus Christ be in an iron furnace with Rome. And you know what, brethren? They were afflicted. I counted a privilege to be in the number of the people of God that were martyred and stood true for Jesus Christ and were fed to the lions. Can you imagine, Dad, if you had to stand in the Colosseum, amen, with your little children and they let all the wild beasts come out to eat you and eat your children and you try to defend them and there's no way to do it and you're all going to die. Can you imagine God's people being put in that iron furnace when they're sticking them on poles in in the emperor's garden and lighting them on fire? We're talking about real affliction. More, I I tell you what, I think we are so ignorant of history. If we could go look at it a little while, we'd say, Oh God, you have spoiled us more than any generation of people. I don't have any problems. I don't have any troubles. I don't have any afflictions. You've been good to us. You've spoiled us. But we're talking about some of God's people that went into an iron furnace. But even in the iron furnace they grew. And the blood of the martyrs was the seed of the church. And it kept flourishing all over the world. The testimony of this book is that the iron furnace of affliction is not greater than our God, is not greater than our walk with God, is not greater than our relationship and fellowship with God. And I'd never seen this verse before, but when God's people are afflicted, look at Isaiah chapter 63. 
Never saw this before. Isaiah 63. When they were down there in that iron furnace and they were being afflicted, I can't imagine using the word afflicted being something to do with God. I can't imagine God Almighty ever being in pain or in distress. That, that's something that doesn't compute with me. Well, would you not agree with me? How can God be in pain? How can God be in distress or, or filled with grief? You say, that's an impossibility. There's even a New Testament verse about grieve not the Holy Spirit. of. Look at Isaiah 63, I'll show it to you. Verse number 7, what a wonderful verse. Isaiah 63, 7. I will mention the loving kindnesses of the Lord. Oh, yes. And the praises of the Lord. According to all that the Lord hath bestowed on us. And the great goodness toward the house of Israel which he hath bestowed on them. According to his mercies and according to the multitude of his loving kindnesses. For he said, surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their savior. Watch verse 9. Look at verse 9. In all their affliction, he was afflicted. And the angel of his presence saved them. In his love and in his pity, he redeemed them and he bare them and carried them all the days of old. He's saying, God said, in your affliction, I am afflicted. Isn't that what Jesus tried to say to Saul on the road to Damascus? You are persecuting the church. You are persecuting my people. But you're really persecuting me. You're causing me grief. You're causing me pain. Why persecutest thou me, Jesus said. You see, our God is not a stranger to affliction. Though I cannot explain that. But I know the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 53, He was afflicted. Two times it talks about the afflictions of our Savior. You know what I say? I say that that was was not something deserved, but that was something that was a great blessing. Wouldn't you think the afflictions of Christ have become a great blessing in your life? Well, maybe the afflictions of our lives could be a great blessing to someone else's life. You say, preacher, why are you preaching this? We don't have people that are afflicted. Well, I don't, I don't know about that. Maybe you'll need this later. Look at 1 Thessalonians. I know what the Bible says about the church going through affliction. Affliction is like a furnace. An iron furnace. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. This church went through affliction. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, the Bible says in verse number 6, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy of the Holy Ghost. Boy, I'm glad God put that together, aren't you? That means you can have joy in your affliction. Much affliction. (laughs) Boy, what a Bible. I'd say this, if my Christianity is not bigger than my Affliction, I need to pay another visit to Calvary. I need to get a little closer to God. Much affliction. That early church, it cost them something to walk with God and 
trust Jesus Christ. It doesn't cost us very much. It doesn't cost you. Nobody's going to beat you because you trusted Christ. It may be getting where you might lose your job. I don't know. I don't know where this country's headed. Only God knows. There, there may be a time they'll put you in jail for your faith. I mean, they're putting people in jail for a lot of things I never thought they'd put people in jail for. Poor people over there and over in Europe, I saw another headline, they have an appeal. They're, they're, trying to, they're trying to put a member of parliament in jail for putting a Bible verse on the internet. A Bible verse. She's a member of parliament. You say, what is this? You know what it's about, don't you? You sure you know what it's about. Male and female created he them. You know what it's about. They, they, they want to put her in jail. She's a member of parliament. I don't know where this is headed, but I know that God in affliction can show himself to be bigger than that. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, he says in verse 3, watch this. This is, this is, this is Bible. This is great. I, I wish we could have this biblical mentality. 1 Thessalonians 3, 3, watch it. That no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereto. Don't be moved by the grief. Well, that's easy for you to say. Well, it wasn't easy for them to say because they lived it. Must be real, must be true. And I'm going to maybe need it one day. And don't let affliction move you. I've watched afflictions move people. Move their belief system. Move their lifestyle. Move their dedication to God. Don't let affliction move you. God's bigger than the affliction, even if you find yourself in a furnace of iron. He said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, this is what was quoted to me when I was a young man. I've, I've never forgot it. It kept me on the street corner preaching the word of God. 2 Timothy 1.8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Are we, is our Christianity real enough that we're willing to go through afflictions? He said to the preacher in 2 Timothy 4, he said in verse number 3, Time will come they will not endure sound doctrine. And he says in verse 5, But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. I'm just asking you this. What are you willing to take to do what God wants you to do? Is your comfort... Is our comfort more important than our God? Paul said it this way, our light affliction. Boy, he had it. Our light affliction. And he was by himself a lot of times. Boy, I'm always encouraged. He says, only Luke is with me. But you know what? I'm glad God gave him Luke. Ministered to him, that doctor did. He said, our light afflictions, but for a moment. I love God a whole lot more than I love my comforts. That's what he's saying. What did the Bible tell us about Moses choosing rather 
choosing, he says, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches. He says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And you know, we have we have we have it opposite. People are choosing the pleasure of sin for a season instead of choosing the people of God if there's any type of reproach that's attached to it. So the furnace of affliction, I don't know what we'll have to go through, but we've had other people that have gone before us. That devil that is a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Guys, when there are saved people dying for their faith, why does our life have to be so easy? I'm talking about right now dying for their faith. When we have a, a Navajo family that's just as saved as you and just as full of the righteousness of Jesus Christ as you are and loves God and loves the Bible, why do they have to live in poverty as they're trying to serve God and we have it so easy and we're the ones complaining, not them. There's something that we need to get our head around with this furnace of affliction that we don't understand. Well, there's another furnace, not just the furnace of affliction. That's an iron furnace, but go to Matthew 13. I throw this in there because it's in the Bible. Because Nebuchadnezzar is not the only people throwing people into a furnace. Matthew chapter 13, the Bible says in verse 41, Matthew 13, 41, The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, and they shall gather out of His kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Verse 50. And shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. That's, that's the Lord doing that. There's not only the furnace of affliction. There's the furnace of torment. There's the, affliction is a furnace, but hell is a furnace. And no matter how bad it gets, if you're saved by the grace of God, if you are in affliction's furnace, just be glad that you'll never be in hell's furnace. <laughs> I may have to endure something, amen, for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50. How long is it going to last? It ain't going to last too long. You're not going to be around this, this piece of dirt too long. You're going to be gone. But thank God for all eternity, I'm not going to be thrown into an iron furnace of fire. I'm not going to hell because Jesus has redeemed me by His blood. I think that will get me through. I think that will help my perspective of life. That I'm not going to hell. What are you going to do? You're going to threaten me with going to heaven? What a blessing to know that there's one furnace I'll never step through the gates of. The furnace of hell. But there's a lot of people going there. And God's going to throw them in there. And that breaks my heart. And that breaks His heart. So... 
Do we believe in hell? Do we believe in the furnace? Do we believe in this furnace? Is this just a story or is this real? Is Jesus a liar or did He tell the truth? There is a furnace that people are going to be thrown into hell by God Almighty that have not received the Lord Jesus Christ. So if I have anything, if I have any bit of salt in me, if I have any bit of character in me, if I have any bit of concern in me, why in the world would I not want to try to keep people out of that furnace? Why would I live my life as though nobody's ever going to go there? Why do we go to the Navajo Nation? Why do we spend our money? Why do we sacrifice to get the gospel around? Why do we do all that? Because we think there's something better than spending all the money and the time on our own selves and our own lives. There is really a hell, and we don't want people to be thrown in a furnace. Forever and ever. Gather around the shores of glory. Somebody said, what did you do? <laughs> well, I worked a job. What would you do with your money? Well, I got a house, got a car, bought some clothes. Okay, what else did you do? Just lived. Just lived. What did you do? Well, I... Gave my life to the Lord to try to keep people out of hell. Wonder which is a greater perspective. There's one other furnace. Go to Proverbs chapter 17, would you with me? Proverbs 17, and with your other hand, get Psalm chapter 12. There is a furnace of affliction. Oh, it can be an iron one. There is a furnace of fire. That bottomless pit one day, he says in the book of Revelation, will open up and smoke will come out like smoke out of a furnace. What a picture. But there's another furnace. And I don't know anything about hell's furnace and never will. And to be honest with you, up to this point in my life, I don't know anything about the furnace of affliction. Can I be honest with you? I don't know much about that. We've all had bad things happen to our lives, but to be honest with you, I've never been in bondage. I've never been a slave to anyone. I've never been put in chains. Nobody's ever taken a whip to my back. I've never lost my freedom. I've never been under real oppression. I've not watched my children be murdered in front of my eyes. I wasn't afflicted like Samson was afflicted when they put out his eyes. I've not been afflicted and starved half to death. No. I don't know much about the furnace of affliction. I don't think I know anything about it. But there's another furnace I do know something about. He said in Proverbs chapter 17, if you look at it, verse number 3, the fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord trieth the hearts. 
Would you read Psalm 12 with that, please? This is about the Bible, but I think you'll see the same connection being made. He said in Psalm 12, verse 6, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth. Watch it. Purified seven times. A proving ground. A furnace that tries, a a furnace that proves something, a furnace that refines, that takes the dross away from the gold. The Bible says in James chapter 1 and verse 3 that the trying of your faith, if you'll listen to it in your hearing, he said in 1 Peter chapter 1 about that furnace that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth though it be tried with fire there's the furnace might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ he said in 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 12 beloved think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you but rejoice Inasmuch as you're partakers of Christ's suffering. There's the furnace of trials. Now I want you to follow me. Not the furnace of affliction, but the furnace of a trial. God tried Abraham. God put Abraham in an iron furnace of, of trying his faith. Oh, it was so grievous and so heavy. Go take your only boy you love so much and take him up there on that hill. And sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Burn him to death. Boy, that's a, that's a fiery trial right there. That's a furnace. God to ask you something like that. The three Hebrew children. You remember their furnace? And they stood before Nebuchadnezzar. The Bible called it a burning, fiery furnace. Heat it ten times. Don't matter if it's 10 or 50 or 100 times. It was enough, amen, to kill the people taking them up there to throw them in. What a trial for those three boys. Bow. Bend. Participate. They're in an iron furnace. And they get thrown into that burning, fiery furnace. But watch it now. There's no pain. There's no grief. There's not even any distress. They're just walking around. Walking around in the fire with Jesus. With the Son of God. But it was, listen, they were in a furnace. Do you know Abraham never touched that boy? Abraham never felt the loss of that boy. He never saw the distress of watching that that blood uh, flow from his body and his heart stop beating and his body... He never never partook of that burden. He was not afflicted in that wise. No. But he was still in a furnace. And though they actually never suffered. And though they were actually never afflicted, like all these other people we were talking about, it was just as surely a furnace 
of a trial. Are, are you listening to me? God many times throws us into a furnace of trial to see what's in our heart, to see what we're going to do. And it looks over... We're not, we're not harmed, but we think we might be. Are, are you listening to me? We're not in pain, but we think the possibility is there. And the question is, what am I going to do in that furnace of that fiery trial, which is to try my faith, though I'm safe? The ladies getting on the plane that never flew, that was a furnace. They didn't get hurt. You say, well, they should have trusted God. Yeah, and so should you in the things God's working in your life about. You understand? That you think are overwhelming and you're not hurt. Is anybody listening to me? That that's where our Christianity hits the road. We have these pressures of life and God's trying us. Maybe with something in our family, maybe something with our circumstances of life. But the trial is, will I have my faith? Will I, will I take, uh, keep my faith in the Lord, in the Bible? Will I stand firm with Him? Will I be settled with Him? I'm in the furnace. I don't know what's going to happen. And though it looks like there's no harm, it sure feels like it. There's not even any fire, but it sure does feel like it. Oh, that we could have the attitude of those boys. We don't know how this is going to turn out, but I know, what, I know one thing, King. We ain't going to bow down to your image. We don't know if this is going to end in us living or dying, but we're not full of care about it. We're more interested in passing the test. So many of us don't pass the test. And you know what happens when you don't pass the test? I know it does it today in this educational world, but in my day when you couldn't pass the test, you had to go take it again. When you failed a grade, you had to go repeat it until you learned the lessons. Come on, don't quit on me now. I'm about finished. Until we learn the lesson, you've got to keep repeating the grade. You know, some Christians are totally stuck because they've never passed the trial. They've never passed the test. They've never learned to trust God and keep doing right in spite of everything around them. Though they're not hurt, they're not destroyed. It's a test. It's a trial. Will I do right? Will I love God? Will I stay true to Him? Will I stay true to His Word? We know nothing really of affliction, but we know something about trials. We know something about tests. Being poorer than middle class is not an affliction. Not having electricity is not an affliction. We don't have those. We've got it good. Matter of fact, we ought to just step back and throw up our hands and say, blessed be the name of the Lord. We are the last generation. I don't deserve all this goodness. You have spoiled me rotten, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. And so I'm, I, I've not gone into that furnace of affliction. 
And I know I'm not going to go in that furnace of hell. So, Lord, if you want to put me in that furnace of testing, I'm not going to complain too much about it. Just help my faith so I can pass the test.